Well, we are in the book of 1 John tonight. We've been studying this, looking at the verse by verse, kind of walking down through it. We are closing in on the end of 1 John. We're going to look at uh, 2nd and 3rd John as well, but closing in the uh, conclusion of this, at least getting close this evening. The verses that are under consideration is 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. I have entitled this passage or this group of verses here, The Witnessing Life, The Witnessing Life. There's a twofold aspect to that uh, that are presented in this text here, uh, one by direct interpretation and the other by application. And uh, so we hope to uh, address that a little bit this evening as we talk about this. But follow along with me as we read just by way of introduction to put in our hearts and minds these verses that are under consideration. First John chapter 5, beginning of verse number 6, reading down through verse number 10. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. So you see initially here that the Spirit beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, or bear witness and establish the record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. We are once again uh, struck right off the bat with the importance of what you believe about the son. What you believe concerning Jesus Christ is, is fundamental towards the establishing of your salvation or not. It's, it is all contingent. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby, what? We must be saved. That is the name and what you believe about Jesus Christ is critical for that. It is foundational to it. The, the, the thing to think about or realize is that Jesus... That is, Jesus that was presented to us in the New Testament that came as fulfillment of all of the prophecies that were given to us in the Old Testament. And those prophecies laid the groundwork. The prophecies foretold and and prepared the hearts of men and got us ready for Jesus who was going to come. But obviously, the Jewish people did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, Right. They, 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 they knew the prophecies. If anybody knew the prophecies, the Jewish people knew the prophecies, but they didn't see Jesus as the fulfillment of those prophecies. So what you believe about this person that in the New Testament is called Jesus is, is very critical. It's very important what you believe concerning him. The Jews didn't believe it and they missed it. There's many today that will deny that Jesus is the Christ that he is the Messiah, he is the promised one, and this is what is so vitally important. Well, not only did the Father send us his Son, but he sent many witnesses to that fact. There are many witnesses that are given to us. Doth not nature itself, 
We, we know that nature itself is given as a witness to God and, and the fact that he's there and, and, and that he is the creator of the universe. I mean, somebody has to be willfully ignorant to believe that this world came into existence by an explosion. That this world has slowly, as long as we've been alive and as long as there is recorded history, I'm talking about from recorded history, as long as we have any recorded history, there has not been one step in evolution. It's always been the other way. It, there, the, and, and it's actually a law. It's established that, that things are going to deteriorate, not get better. And yet somehow, back there millions and millions and millions of years ago, it was going the other way. I don't know how they uh, think that, but we have many witnesses. The nature itself is a witness. God himself is a witness. The Holy Spirit's a witness. And I want you to know, uh, we're going to plug this tonight, uh, but you and I are to be witnesses as well. That is to be our mission, our goal, our focus in life is to be a witness for the, for the name of Jesus Christ and letting people know that he was the Messiah and that he came to save people from their sins. That should be a central part of our lives as Christians and certainly a focus of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. We see that John, from the very moment that he opened his letter, is declaring that fact to us. Look back in, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1. And we will read these first three verses. Right from the beginning, we see John testifying to this fact. Now we're approaching the end, and we see not only is he testifying it, but we also have God giving us several other witnesses. He says here in John 1, verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For life, for the life was manifested, we know that life that was manifested was Jesus Christ, that life was manifested and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ." So we are to be just like John declaring unto those around us the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That they might know Jesus, that he could make a difference in their life so that they too could have fellowship one with us and with the Father through Jesus Christ. So I want you to see first of all in verse number six of our text back in chapter number five, I want you to see the reality of his presence. He is presented here and just uh, very practically uh, given to us that he was here. Jesus was here. He came uh, not only uh, by water, but also by blood, even Jesus Christ. And it is repeated. So first of all, he came by water. This is he that came by water. Now, this could be speaking about his natural birth. He came by water. We know ultimately we all do, just like the discussion which Christ had with Nicodemus. That, uh, what, can a man be, uh, go back into his mother's room? And he says, no, uh, but uh, you must be born again if you're going to have eternal life. It's not going to happen without that. You've got to be that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There has to be that being born again. So it could be talking about the natural birth, uh, although most commentators that you read uh, believe it is discussing his baptism. The baptism was the launch of his ministry. 
when Jesus was baptized. It was the beginning. It was uh, him establishing that is when the Holy Spirit came and rested on him. And so many believe that that was uh, what this is speaking about, that he came by water and that, that baptism was the initiation of his ministry. His, his work here on earth started after his baptism. That's what God designed. That's when God uh, recognized him publicly. Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I, am, whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him at that time and uh, gave us great, uh, gave John uh, a truth to the fact of who it was he was looking at. And so we see those things there. <clears throat> and uh, he came by baptism. I want you to know that his baptism was by immersion. Uh, you know, as I pondered this and thought about it, just the idea that Jesus Christ was baptized by immersion, if that is the only text that we had in the Word of God with regards to how a person was to be baptized, I would think that would be sufficient for just about anybody who wanted to call themselves a Christian, which wanted to be say they are Christ-like. Because if Christ was baptized by immersion, then I think that we ought to probably follow Christ's example, that we ought to be baptized by immersion. The other forms of baptism, by and large, were created for a matter of convenience to make it easy uh, for people to follow the Lord and uh, also to make it uh, mandatory. Uh, and so they could say, well, here, let me just drop some water on you. Okay, now you're good. You're part of the church, whatever. Um, but I want you to know that it was by immersion and he set the example for us. We know that at his baptism, the Holy Spirit was present, as I mentioned. Uh, we'll look more at that in just a moment, but this is where the Holy Spirit came and rested on him. But not only that, this is where John was given confirmation of who it was he was looking at. This is where the, there was no question with regards to the fact that this was Jesus Christ, that this was God in the flesh, that this was the promised Messiah. If you would like to look at it, look at John back not... First John, but the book of John in um, chapter 1, verses 32 to 33 and 34, John 1, 32. He says, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which, which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Verse number 34, he says, I saw, I bear record. He says, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the God spoke to me and told me that there's one that's going to come and you're, you're, you're going to baptize by water, but I want you to know there's one whom I'm going to rest my spirit upon and you'll know that it's him. And John said, I saw that happen and I knew that this was God. I knew this was God in the flesh. So not only did he come by water, but he came by blood. Now we see both water and blood at his crucifixion, if you would like to uh, make a note in the margin of your Bible. Uh, you could note John 1934 uh, there because the water and blood are both mentioned in John 1934 at the crucifixion. He says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Blood and water came out of the side of Jesus Christ there right on the cross. Uh, just, it's amazing. Uh, when you study the scripture and get into the scripture, the, the continuity that's there 
and how one verse and one passage just supports another one and how intertwined they are. The, the sheer depth of, of the way the scriptures are intertwined, that alone would make it where people would say no man could have written this. I mean, there, nobody could have done this because of how uh, consistent and intertwined they are. But we see that Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of prophecy uh, at his crucifixion. No bone was broken. Psalms 34.20 says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And we know that that uh, on the cross, according to John 19.36, For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. That was a prophecy that was fulfilled when Jesus was crucified and his blood was shed. Was shed. That his side was even pierced was a fulfillment of prophecy. In Psalms twenty two sixteen. he says, For dogs have compassed me, they assemble of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. And again, another, and in John nineteen thirty seven. he says, Again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him with whom they pierced. That he was going to be pierced was a fulfillment of prophecy. And so we see these things when we talk about the idea that he came by water, his baptism where his earthly ministry was launched. He came by blood where he gave himself and sacrificed himself for us. Now, this ultimately, the reason John is addressing this, the reason John is pointing this out, that he came by water and he came by blood is because John was refuting or arguing against a group of people all the way back when we introduced the book of 1 John to you. We told you who it was. Anybody remember the group that was the issue in the church at that time? Starts with the G. The Gnostics. Don't ask me why. G is silent. That's English language for you. <laughs> all kinds of useless letters that we do not need. I don't understand it, but... It, the, the, the Gnostics, that, that group of people that said what? They, they taught that God in the flesh, well, it couldn't be God in the flesh because God is holy and he would not enter sinful flesh and, and because the two can't touch. And so the Gnostics would teach that, no, this can't be the Messiah because he could not have entered him and, and he couldn't have touched him because the two can't, the, the, what, that which is holy has to remain holy and that which is earthly has to remain earthly. And if the two meet, it, you know, it's just like if this hand's dirty and I touch this hand, uh, what happens? This hand gets dirty. And they use logical thinking like that to say, so that which is holy could never have entered that, uh, that body here on earth. But obviously we know that Jesus Christ was a virgin born and he did not have the blood of Adam flowing through him. Uh, so he was not sinful men like, like we were, like we are. We didn't have that nature. But the Gnostic taught these things. And when the dove descended on Jesus, they, well, the, what the Gnostics taught that when the dove descended on Jesus, that's when he became Christ. And sometime before Jesus was nailed to the cross, th his spirit left him. So that spirit was joined there. So John writes, this is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with water and blood. To deal with that argument the Gnostics have, he wanted to address it. Christ was on the cross, and uh, he was the sinless sacrifice for all the world. To take away the sins of the world. And he's the only one that could do it, because he was God. Because he was perfect. This is the record, the record of truth. He is the Christ. Um, that verse right there, another very 
pertinent passage that goes along with that verse is Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. Let me read this to you. And I know I've been kind of clicking along and moving right through this because I want to get to the end and don't be too long. But uh, don't disengage. Don't start going to sleep. Uh, stay, stay with me. Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. He says, neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once unto the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. So what he's saying is that that if the blood of goats and uh, of other animals could be offered as a way of covering your sin, if that was sufficient to uh, at least cover your sin, how much more the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed and it was perfect, uh, the perfect sinless uh, lamb of God that was shed for us. Then we see here the spirit that beareth witness, the spirit that witnesses. It is the spirit of truth. Because the spirit is truth. Matthew 3.16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. The Spirit of God came down and rested on God at his baptism and was present there. And the Spirit was present and bared witness to the ministry which God had, which Jesus had here on earth. And now he's bearing witness here at the conclusion and letting people know that Jesus was the Son of God. You know, the fact is, there might be a mistake with men. How many of you know that uh, an a eyewitness on occasion can be mistaken? Well, I was there and I saw it. And you have three different eyewitnesses and one says he was a tall, skinny, white dude. And the other one says uh, he was a short Mexican you know, and, and the other guy says it was a woman, you know, and wait, how did this happen? Uh, you know, these the eyewitnesses on occasion and, and all of them maybe are as sincere as the day is long. It's not like they're trying to lie or be dishonest, but from their perception or from where they were standing or what they saw, this is what they thought. They just thought what, they, what it was. You know, man can be mistaken, but the Holy Spirit can't. Man might not be mistaken, he might flat out lie just for personal gain or, or out of maliciousness. He might just choose to lie. But the spirit is truth. He is the spirit of truth and he's not going to lie. So he is a witness that can be trusted. What he's saying is that the Holy Spirit that God has put here on earth to draw men, to convict men, to bring men in their sinful condition to the need of a heavenly savior is a witness to the fact that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one that's working in the hearts of men. He's the one that, and Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And the Holy Spirit begins to go and convict the heart of the sinner of their need of a Savior. They see their need of a Savior. The Holy Spirit does that, and he is the witness, the true witness. So we see this reality of his person, who he is, that he, the reality of his presence, that he was there. And then we see the record of his person in verses 7 and 8. And these verses, I'm sorry, these are not real, I mean, 
There's just not a whole lot of preaching in, in these texts right here. These, uh, there's just some teaching. We're just going to look at it and, and learn a little bit of what it's saying to us. But he gives us the record of his person, who he is. And we believe in the Trinity. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God and they're all individual. Uh, how exactly does that work? Uh, I don't know. We have the example of an egg and, you know, the egg is the shell and the, the yolk and the white and they're, they're all three one, but they're all three different. And, you know, but if you really think about it, that example in of itself falls apart if you keep going down uh, the line with it. But ultimately, we don't have to understand it all. We just have to believe it because we, that's what God said. There is a trinity, and we see the record of his person, who he is, given to us in verses 7 and 8. He says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So we have all three of them that are bearing record, and yet he says those three are one. They are one. And then in verse number 8, very similar, except he says it's their witnesses here on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. You know, a police officer pulled over a driver and informed the driver that he was speeding. It was just then that his wife, sitting next to him, said, I told you you need to drive more slowly, especially when you drive without a license. The policeman surprised and exclaimed, What? You're driving without his license? Just then, his daughter, trying to defend her, said, Officer, please, please, don't be so hard on my dad. He gets nervous when he's drunk. The policeman stammered and said, excuse me? You're driving without a license and intoxicated? His son in the back seat shouted, I knew we shouldn't have driven so fast in this stolen car. The father had three witnesses that were not helping him at all. These witnesses were not, you know, he went from bad to worse. He's probably, you know, out of the mouths of babies. You got to be careful what those kids say, you know, because they will tell on you for sure. And uh, this, this guy got in trouble. But we have some witnesses here that are going to tell it straight. We have some witnesses here that are not going to confuse the facts. These three witnesses are in heaven, the Father. He put the Father is the one that put his plan in motion. The Father is the one that sent Jesus Christ, his son, here to earth. And the Father acknowledges that fact. Matthew 3.17 says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What we're doing is we're using these witnesses that have been given to us to establish the fact that Jesus, the one prophesied, is the one promised, and he is the one that is, came to be the Savior of the world. Uh, he, the father testified to the fact that Christ was his son by empowering him to do many, many mighty works. We see Jesus over and over again through his earthly ministry performing miracle after miracle after miracle. And God gave that power to his son so that the world would know that it was Jesus. In John 10, verses 37 and 38, he says, If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe the Father is in me and I in him. You see, the Father gave Jesus Christ the ability to do mighty works. And Jesus was saying, hey, you should know that I and the Father are one. I'm performing. I'm doing the works that come from God the Father. That should be evident to you. And maybe you look at me and you say, well, I don't, I don't really believe in, in him as an individual. But you should be able to believe in the works 
that he performed to believe in what he did. He testified to the fact that Christ was the Son of God by raising him from the dead. We know that that was God's plan. In Romans 1, verse number 4, he says, And I and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. The Father left no question as to how he felt about this person, this individual that is presented as Jesus Christ. Then we have the Word. I like the Scriptures, the Word, how uh, he's called the Word here. And we know that the Word is Jesus Christ. That's, of course, in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is represented here as a witness Now, God had a message for the world, and so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to carry that message. Jesus to tell the world about the love of the Father and the willingness of Jesus to sacrifice himself. Jesus is the message that he died for the whole world, and he bears witness to this himself by all he ever did and by ultimately giving himself. You know, there's been times in my life that I didn't live up to the name that I carry. There's been times when, as a young man, I did not live up to the the heritage that I've been blessed with. But, you know, Jesus lived up to his heritage. Jesus lived up to the name that he was given. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy as God had planned. Then you have the Spirit here. The Spirit is mentioned. The Spirit is at work continually convicting men of the truth. These three are in heaven, and then there's three that are mentioned that are on earth. But all of them have the same message. All of them have the same testimony. Three people with the same information. They proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. Look at verse number 8. I want you to see the process that takes place when we, when we witness. In verse number 8 there, he says, And there are three that bear witness on earth. So we're talking about what happens here on earth. So in the heart of men, this order is vitally important. He gives us here first the Spirit. The Spirit of God begins to work on the heart of men. And then he gives us the water. In the scriptures, what is, uh, I'm answering my question with my question. (laughs) Uh, What is water a type of in the Bible? The word, the word of God. So very similar statement as the the verse before it, but the, the word of God is the water. You're talking about the water of the word. And so we see faith cometh by hearing, by hearing by the Word of God. So we see the process that takes place in the heart of men to bring people to Christ. First of all, the Spirit begins to work. There was a day, an hour, a time in your life, whether you were a, a little boy, uh, five, seven, ten years old, or a grown uh, individual, uh, the fact of the matter is, at some point, the Holy Spirit began to draw you. 
The Spirit of God began to convict you of the fact that you were a sinner and you needed a Savior and it's something that you couldn't do on your own. You needed Jesus Christ to cover that. So then the Word began to work. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the, the message of the Word of God began to settle in your heart and soul. And maybe you had a preacher preach it or you had a friend share it or you were able to read the gospel of a track and, and get the message of the Word. But the Spirit works. The water or the water of the Word begins to work. And then... The blood. And then the blood. That is last, but that's what happens. You know, without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sins. It took the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ had to be shed for men's sins to be forgiven. This is the process that takes place here on earth. And I want you to understand that as our mission or our goal as God's people, we ought to be continually a witness for Christ. That's what we're here on earth for. And we live our Christian lives. And, and I mean, God's a, a, a merciful, loving, compassionate God who blesses us beyond measure. And we come to him. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to have a prayer time. And we're going to lift up our burdens before God and prayer, prayerfully uh, consider and, and bring to the throne the needs of our fellow believers. But listen, God's not just a slot machine. God didn't just save you so that, so that you could have that relationship so you could just go to him whenever you need something. No father just wants to be an ATM. He wants a relationship with his child. He wants a, you know, when you have a relationship, dad's a whole lot more likely to be an ATM, amen? <laughs> so put some work into the relationship and you might get something else out of it. But listen, what I'm saying about this is that God has saved our soul and left us here on earth for a period of time that so we can, like John, be witnesses to the world of what Jesus Christ did in us. And as we witness, the Spirit will begin to draw men, the Word of God will settle in the hearts of men, and the blood of Jesus Christ will save and forgive them of their sin. That's the message that he has here in verse number 8. Then I want you to see, lastly, the reason for his proclamation in verses 9 and 10. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Why has John given us this testimony? Why has he uh, declared unto, these, unto us these truths? Why has he laid out for us the testimony of the Trinity? Well, he says here, if you receive the witness of men, you know, we are very ready to receive the witness of men. Not just us, but I mean people in general. You're very ready to believe the witness of your wife. You're very, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be, I'm just saying we are. We're, we're very ready to believe the, the witness or the testimony of, of one of our children. We're very ready to believe the witness or the testimony of somebody out in society who, who maybe they come up and they just tell us something out of the clear. We've never even met them before. And they come up and say, man, did you hear what happened over here? And, and this old building burned down and it was gone. And, and you, just, you just believe that what they're telling you is the truth. You haven't seen the building. You have no evidence of the fact. You just assume that they came and they told you that the building burned down and you just believe it. Now, we're a little less ready today to believe the news, <laughs> but, but by and large, at least for many years, we, we would believe the news, you know? I mean, hey, it was on the news, it must have happened, right? Um, but what, I'm, what he's saying is, listen, if you're willing to take the word of another human, 
If you're willing to take the word of another man or woman or boy or girl under, under, under any reason, for any consideration, whatever they might be telling you, how much more should we be willing to take the word of God? I mean, we're ready to believe the, the, the testimony of so many other people. And yet he says the word of God is greater. I remember one day going into Home Depot. I'm just walking down the aisle and I hear a customer ask, excuse me, do you have such and such an item? I don't remember exactly what it was. But I remember the Home Depot employee saying, oh, no, sorry, we don't, we don't sell those anymore. He was just a lazy employee or he just was an ignorant employee because I knew they sold them. They were on aisle seven on the bottom shelf. <laughs> and so I turned around and I said, actually, they do. It's aisle seven on the bottom shelf. <laughs> and uh, the guy goes, oh, OK, thank you. And I just left it at that. But in my mind, I'm like, that guy just made that like. He didn't even bother checking. He didn't bother asking anybody, you know, uh, do we sell these, somebody that's worked longer than him? I mean, obviously, it's hard to know everything that's in the store. You know it's pretty bad when you know where stuff's at, you know. Um, but, hey, you ladies know the grocery stores, so don't give me a hard time. And when I go into a grocery store, if I'm looking for something, I'll find the nearest lady and say, hey, where's this at? You know, they usually can tell me. They're usually like, oh, it's, at that, it's on that end of the store, you know, or whatever. They usually know where stuff's at. And uh, where would I find this? And oh, over about the middle of the store. And they can, they can direct you. But this guy just made it up. His witness. We believe the witness of men so easily, yet we're hesitant to believe the witness of God. But he says, first of all, in verse number 10, if you believe on the Son, you have the witness in you. You have the witness in you. I mean, this is a powerful statement. Not only has God given us the witness of creation, not only has God given us the witness of others that have shared it with us, not only has God given us the witness of God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit, but he says, if you've believed on God, now you have the witness inside you. There should be no question as to whether Jesus is the Messiah. There should be no question as to whether this is the true Savior of the world, because ye have the witness in you. You don't need any other, any other evidence. I can't help but think of the blind man over in John chapter 9 and verse number 25, where they came and they asked of him, you know, who, who is this man? Is he the Messiah? Is he not? What, what did he do? He said, you know what? Whether this man be a sinner or no, I know not. He says, one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. He said, I can't tell you if this man was a sinner. I can't answer all the theological questions you guys have. I can't, I can't articulate uh, what your deep theological issues are. But here's what I know. I know that once I was blind and now I see. And sometimes people will come to you and they may want to argue some theological issue or discuss some verse with you or say, oh, this doesn't quite line up. And you can look at him and say, listen, I, I can't explain all that and I don't need to explain all that because what I know is once I was blind, but now I see. 
Once I was lost and on my way to hell and now I'm saved and on my way to heaven only because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And I don't need any other witness. I don't need any other testimony because I know what I know because Jesus Christ did it for me. I've stood on the steps of, of hundreds of doors after knocking on the door and talking to them about Jesus Christ and I tell them I know as much as I know I'm standing on your door right now that I'm on my way to heaven and they say I don't believe it. I don't think you can know that. And I said, the Bible says you can, which we're going to get into next week. First John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it. You can know it. As much as you know anything else, you can know that you're saved. Why? Because you have the witness in you. That's inside of you. And it ought to give you that confidence with God. And then he gets pretty blunt with these believers and with you and I. He says, if you do not believe, then you're calling God a liar. He says, after all the many witnesses that God has left you, after all the testimonies that have been declared unto you about who Jesus Christ is, if you are going to say, I don't believe the witness, then you're calling God a liar. If God took the stand and declared unto us that one truth after another, the truths that are laid out for us in the scripture about who Jesus Christ was, then you st- it's the same as you standing up and looking at him and say, he perjured himself. It's all a lie. Well, obviously it's not a lie because it's God and he cannot lie. But he says, if you, if you refuse to believe all these witnesses, what you're saying is God's testimony is not enough. And I do not believe it. God, you're saying God has lied to you. Romans 3, verses 3 and 4 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in the saying, and the mightiest overcome when thou art judged. He said, listen, God is true and every man's a liar. This witness is laid out. The testimony has been given. There is no question about who Jesus Christ is. And if you've believed on Jesus Christ, you have that witness inside of you now. And that witness is there. And we know that this world should see Christ in us. We know this world should, should be able to look and see Christ in us, and that's part of being a witness. But it's not just them seeing, you know, today I took the interns up. We were in Loganville, and we went down the road to Paisano's Pizza where my family and I used to go eat. Uh, and Andrew's the owner there. Andrew's from Sicily. We've had many conversations over the years, but I haven't even seen him in probably three or four years. And we're in there for a few minutes, and we eat, and then I turn, and I wave to his wife, and I go around the side of the counter, you know, to kind of say, say hi and bye to them. And they began talking. They're like, oh, we remember, we remember you come in every Sunday with your children all dressed up in their suits and looking so nice. And, oh, we miss you guys so much. And we invited them to church many times. 
Obviously, it's a long ways, but usually they were working on Sunday. But Andrew, his wife looked at him and says, Andrew has cancer. He has cancer now. So we're not sure what we're going to do. We had to cut back. We don't, we're not open on Sundays anymore. So you have to find your pizza somewhere else. But I just stopped, and we had many conversations. I've asked him about the Lord, and I've invited him to church, you know. But today I said, hey, would you mind if I just prayed with you? Would I pray with you before we go? And it's not just that they saw my kids in a suit on Sunday so that they know we went to church. Being a witness goes beyond that. Being a witness is ask God for opportunities to share your faith, to let people know about the difference that Jesus Christ made in you, to know that you know the great physician and that he not only can save their soul but can help them. He can make a difference in their life. The witnessing life is a life that when we live like Christ, people see it. And that opens the door and opportunity for us to share the truth of the difference that Jesus made in us. God the Father has witnesses. Himself, His Son, and the Spirit. John the Baptist was a witness. But you and I are all supposed to be witnesses as well of what Christ did in us.